give the Lord a mighty shout offering. The first one is a shout offering of thanksgiving unto God. And the second one is a shout of victory. As it's a shout of victory, we recover everything that the adversary, the opposing forces of darkness, are taking from us. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and thank God this morning. You want to lift up your two hands also. Thank you. Lift up your two hands unto the Lord. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this blessed day. We stand in your presence this morning, O oh God, giving you all the worship and the praise that is due unto you. My God, this worship and this praise is unto no man, but it's unto you, O oh God, who is our righteousness, unto you, our Savior and our Lord, unto you, O oh God, who is the beginning and the end of all things. My God and my King, this morning, we thank you for life. We thank you for how far you brought us, especially in these seven days. Thank you, my God, for the prayers that have been brought before your throne. And thank you, Father, for your answers and the testimonies that are coming in. Thank you, Father, Lord, indeed, you are the bishop and the good shepherd of our souls. This morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that speak to the understanding, speak to the hearing, my God, of every spirit under the sound of my voice. Bless this service, O God, and let your name be glorified. Thank you, Father. Our worship and our praise has indeed come before you as a sweet-smelling incense. Your name be glorified, even now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Today, this morning, I'm bringing up a message I've titled, Building for God's Glory. Building for God's Glory. Now, if we, so far, what we have read and prayed through in the book of Nehemiah, we have seen Nehemiah's commitment to building the or rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, which was broken down and burnt with fire. Now, I want to read from Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Halakiah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artestas' reign, I was in the fortress of Susha. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. I think the New King James says that they are in great distress. So the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And he said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. And for days I mourned, I fasted and prayed unto the God of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Now in the Old Testament, cities had walls. And these walls were sometimes so big and so wide that, for example, the house of Rahab the prostitute was on the wall. That's how big the walls were. And the walls represented the strength of the people. Because once the walls were so big and the gates are closed, it would be very difficult for the enemy to enter in. So the walls stood for protection also around them as a people. Their walls indicated the strength of their God. And, and so when we talk about Nehemiah weeping because the walls were broken down, maybe you might not understand why should a person weep just because walls are broken down. But for them at that time, the, the size of their walls and their walls being kept up was protection, was strength to them. Hallelujah. And so 
Nehemiah realized that once the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and burned, that means the people in there were defenseless. Anything could come in, anything could go out. Amen. Now, the book of Nehemiah documents the process by which these walls of Jerusalem were broken down, was rebuilt. And not only the walls being rebuilt, but the worship of God also be restored. Amen. So the worship of God would be restored. Now, these walls were first destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. Somebody says, couldn't say Nebuchadnezzar, said Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, was the last one. But today, God has given me grace to say Nebuchadnezzar. Say Nebuchadnezzar, let me see what you will say. The person sitting by the blessed word, they said Nebuchadnezzar. It was a Babylonian victory, and they destroyed Jerusalem, and it was a fall of the kingdom of Judah where the Jews were taken into exile. Now, Nehemiah heard this news, said his brother or his cousin came from Judah and visited him and told him about the state of Jerusalem, the walls broken down in ruins, and the people in great distress and in shame. And he said that things are not going well for them at all. It is hard. And they are in disgrace and they are in distress and they are in great trouble. Their lives are in great trouble. Nehemiah Bible says sat down and he wept for days. Many days he cried. He fasted. He mourned. And he called. He prayed to the God of heaven. You know, in life, when you get to the point and you, you, you are overwhelmed with issues, and it's like there's nothing you can do about any issue, beloved, don't think there's nothing you can do. There's something you can do. That is to pray. Amen. Prayer will change everything. Prayer will sort out everything. So when you are caught between a rock and a hard place, let prayer go up. Amen. So Nehemiah prayed. His heart was broken to hear that the holy city, the city of God itself, had its walls broken down. You see, because for the Jews, Jerusalem was a sacred city. They called it the city of God. They called it Zion. Amen. And so to really think that that revered city, that holy city, the place of their worship, where the great temple is, was broken down like that, caused him great grief. In fact, Solomon, um, in his speech, in the day when he raised a temple of God at the dedication, he, he made a remark. And I want to read it to you. Second Chronicles 6, 3 to 6. And Bible said that the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel was standing. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth. Oh, glory. I pray that may God fulfill with his hands whatever he has spoken with his mouth. That is a beautiful one, isn't it? That's a prayer point. You can pray, Lord, fulfill with your mouth what you have, with your hand what you have spoken with your mouth. Always pray that prayer. It's a prayer point. It hits me. Amen. And you said to my father David, say, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I've chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there. So God said he hasn't chosen any city among the many cities of the tribes of Israel that they should build a temple there. He said, nor did I choose any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. Yet I've chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there. And I've chosen David to be over my people Israel. So God himself chose Jerusalem as the holy place of worship. And that is how come when the woman by the well of Samaria got into an argument with Jesus, she was making reference 
to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem for them meant something precious, a precious city, a holy place. Amen. And the Bible in different places, the Lord's Jer Jerusalem. In fact, Psalm 48, you know, gives a uh, Lord's praises, Jerusalem, its beauty and, and the joy of the Lord that is set there. So that means that for Nehemiah, it was a very serious thing. It is like maybe you, you, you are going abroad and you've heard that terrible things are happening in Ghana. That's how you feel. Like, for example, if, if you, I was in last year when, you know, there was so much chaos in Nigeria. Every Nigeria outside Nigeria felt it. And we joined with them in prayer so a peace will come. You know, there's one thing when you are away in exile and things are happening behind you. It's, it's a grievous thing. It's like you are helpless. What do I do? How can I help? And that is why Nehemiah felt so grieved in his spirit. And he mourned. His heart was broken for the people, for the dwelling place of God, and also for the worship of God that obviously gone down because of the ruin of Jerusalem. And you know, the first step that he thought of in rebuilding the nation was to rebuild the wall. Amen. To rebuild the security around the people. And it was God himself who put this grief in the heart of Nehemiah. You know, sometimes we cry because we are sad. Sometimes we cry because we are in pain over things that we, we, we want to happen. And we call that one a burden. Sometimes you are burdened for people. You are burdened for souls. You are burdened for a reason. And because you don't see it happening, you, you, you feel sad. It's not sad because you are sad, but because you, you have a burden. So it's like God laid a burden on the heart of Nehemiah. And that's why he said he cried for many days and he mourned. And he decided that he would take the risk and go and do something about it. He would take the risk and go and do something. This is what I'm talking to you about. Building for God's glory. You understand me in a short time. So the first step that Nehemiah took was risky. He risked his life. He said he was a king's cupbearer. A king's cupbearer is the one who drinks the king's drink before he gives the king to drink to make sure that there's no poison in it. Very powerful job. You could die if anybody wanted to poison the king. And it was not only that, but it was like you are the king's PA. And you had privy to everything that went on in the kingdom. So it was a very, very, very good job. But it was also a very, very risky job. In that if the king was displeased with you, you can be killed. So Nehemiah took it upon himself to go to the king to ask for permission. To go back to Jerusalem. To rebuild the walls. And Bible says that he went before the king and, with his wine as usual and gave it to the king. Then the king looked at him and said, ah, your face doesn't look happy today. What's wrong with you? Now, looking sad before the king itself, you can be killed for that. Because how dare you come and make the king sad? These were some of the rules. <coughs> Pardon me. But he wasn't afraid. And he said, oh, king, live forever. But how will my countenance not be sad when the city of my father's tombs lay, lies in ruins and burned with fire? Then the king said, so what do you want to do? I mean, this was a result of prayer. Because there was no way he could even say that to the king. And the king sh could or should respond so well to him. But as a result of prayer. Telling us that, you know, prayer can move everything. Prayer can move the heart of every man. Amen. Because he, he fasted and he prayed. When he appeared before the king, the king said, so what do you want to do? 
Meaning that the king was willing to do for him whatever he needed. And truly, everything that Nehemiah asked, he did it for him. Amen. Nehemiah was so filled with passion to see the restoration of Jerusalem. And it's obvious that God had called him to it. And God had appointed him to do, to, to do it. He was so filled with passion, he didn't even care about his life. And that is why he was you know, so strong in his conviction that this ought to be done. The king said, what do you request? And he said, again, he prayed to God, the God of heaven. And they said, if you please the king, give your servant letters of permission to go back and rebuild. Give me leave to go back and rebuild. And he was even more audacious. He said, and give me wood also. Tell your, your minister of forestry and lands to give me wood to build the walls. And truly, the king gave it to him. Amen. He was given everything that he requested. But it was all for a purpose. And the purpose was that Nehemiah wanted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to the glory of God. Amen. He was going to build to the glory of God. Nehemiah was not asking permission to go back to Jerusalem to build his house. He was not asking for permission to go back and rebuild his family house that was in ruins. He said he was going back to build, rebuild the city of God, the habitation of God, the place of the worship of God. Amen. Oh, you didn't say amen. 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 This man was in an exalted position. He was okay. Being there with the king, he was okay. He wasn't poor. He didn't need anything. He was safe. So he could have said, well, we pray that everything gets better for them. Period. But he said, no, I'm leaving this secure position. I'm leaving this well-paid job to go back to a place of ruins where there is nothing to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Amen. I'm telling you something, church, this morning. That we cannot sit at ease and in comfort when the kingdom of God lies in ruins or when the house of God lies in ruins. We cannot. Nehemiah was not comfortable to enjoy himself because in the king's house, there was so much. But he felt within himself that, that need to build to the glory of God, that the worship of God may be secured. Hallelujah. He was concerned, <coughs> pardon me, and he realized that his prosperity, his enjoyment was nothing when his people and the house of God lies in ruins. And as the Holy Spirit was ministering this word to me, he ministered something to me, a word that Dr. Osajifu, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah said. Osajifu said that the independence of Ghana is meaningless unless it is li linked to the liberation of Africa. I mean, I heard it. And I said, oh, Holy Spirit, where is it? They are powerful. I heard it. You know, I've heard it before. But he whispered it to me. He said, it is like when Osajifo, Dr. Kwame Nkuma said that the independence of Ghana is meaningless unless it, is, unless it is linked to the total liberation of Africa. Your happiness, your joy, your enjoyment, it is, it is, it's meaningless until the kingdom of God is built up. Oh, yes. If you go to, to places where Christianity has actually been crushed by opposing forces, and I don't want to mention the different opposing forces for the sake of social media, but there have been 
nations, towns and cities that were Christian nations, but have been taken over by opposing forces, and today they are non-Christian. A country like Turkey, Turkey, most of the city of Acts of the Apostles, you find them in Turkey. Today, Turkey is not a Christian country. Go and Google what religion rules in Turkey. So that means there was a time like we have now, where there was freedom of worship, where the kingdom ruled and Christ was revealed and people could worship God freely without any problem. Then suddenly, disaster struck. And you know, the king's strength, a king's strength is in his numbers. I said a king's strength is in his numbers. A kingdom's strength is in its numbers and what it possesses. And so if you are talking about the kingdom of God of which you and I are a, are a part of, we must understand that we must strengthen the kingdom of God. Because if we do not strengthen the kingdom of God and a time comes, God forbid, that opposing forces should take over. And you do something, not to frighten you, but when you look into things, and I will not tell you what things, if you want to know, come and see me privately. When you look into things, there is a spiritual battle going on right now for Ghana. There's a battle going on. Christians are oblivious because Christians are so committed to their own and not to God's own. Yeah. Yes. But there are other religions, one in particular, which is bent on taking over the whole of the sub-region. As we speak now, Ghana is the only country that is supposedly free. And the target is on Ghana. Believers, let us think. Let us think. Jesus said we must be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. You'll be shocked the kind of laws that can be passed in a day. That will prevent you from holding your Bible freely in Accra. You'll be shocked. You think it can happen. It can happen. Because it's happened before. Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And there's nothing that has happened that will not happen again. And it will be so easy. And as we are today, the, the, today is the 12th, right? 13th. Yeah. 13th of February. The year 2022. Hmm? We are so close. This close to it. But I pray that Ghanaians should be discerning. Because we think that Food to eat for today alone is enough. We must be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. At the same time, we must think how we will build the kingdom of God that it will stand against the kingdoms of this world. Bible says the kingdoms of this world are risen up against Christ, the anointed son of God. But he who sits in heaven, he looks at them and he laughs. Because he, he knows that he will, he will have them in derision. But we are the people of the kingdom. We are the kingdom builders. Like Nehemiah, we can choose to look away. We can choose to be apathetic. Or we can choose to rise up and build the kingdom. And say that God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his people will rise and build. 
Sometimes we don't care whether somebody else is born again or not. We don't care. We are born again. Our children are fine. We are fine. We don't care what is happening. We don't care because we think that, oh, everything is fine. Everything is not fine. There is a contention and battle of kingdoms in this world. Today, if you go to Americas and Europe especially, there are certain places who, who are flaunting the law of God just like that. And wrong now seems right and right seems wrong. You think they didn't start like us? They started like this. My husband loves cathedrals. So whenever he travels to any town, especially this European town, the first place you go look for is a cathedral. And anytime he comes by, he said, Nana, I realize that the people of old, the Christians of old, they really, really love God and they worship God. I said, why? He said, because in most of these towns, the church in the town is the most beautiful. Sometimes the most biggest. And the, the, the designing of it is so intricate that even he, an engineer, wonders how they got to certain heights with a pedicle in those days without the machinery that we have today. That means people died getting those high peaks of the church's pinnacles. Have you ever seen any of those pictures? It, they didn't have cranes. Manpower. People died in building it. But today, because Christians didn't commit to teaching their children to follow after God, to establishing the strength of the kingdom of God, these churches today are pubs. Some of them are drinking bars. Some of them are hotels. Some of them are, you know, um, recreational places. And when I see these things, my heart beats. I say, God, desecration of that which is holy. There's a block of apartments, shortless apartments. It's within a church. They bought the church building and then they built apartments within it. People can come and hire two months, one month, two days and sleep there and go. But you see, the foundation of that church was laid. And we, when we go to lay a foundation for the building of a church, it's different from the building of an ordinary house. The prayers we pray, how we lay the foundation, is different. And to think that after all that, now people are sleeping in those churches. And when I say sleeping, you understand sleeping. Sleeping and kasa and kasa. The fact that they have changed, you know, the, the, the trappings in the whole doesn't make it not a church anymore. It's still a building that is dedicated unto God. It's still a sacred place. It's because the people of the kingdom were not about building the kingdom, building to the glory of God, building human capacity, building financial capacity. Building terroristly, taking over. We have been called to occupy. Jesus says, occupy till I come. That is, take over until I return. Today, it's easy for us in Ghana to walk to somebody and witness to somebody. Go to England or any place and just walk to somebody and witness to somebody. If I, number one, they don't mind you. If you persist, you can be reported for harassment. In the office, you don't have to mention Christ. No, you can mention, you can say, OMG, nobody will say anything. Or maybe if you get burned by some hot water, you can say, Jesus, as a swear word, no problem. But if you are saying Jesus 
will help you. Jesus will deliver you. You can be reported. A nurse on duty cannot pray for a patient who is dying because to be held, she can be held as harassing, religious harassment. A counselor, oh my God, a Christian counselor who has been appointed as a chaplain of a hospital. Huh? When somebody is dying and you are called, you have to be very careful. You cannot lead the person to Christ. So what's the point? What's the point? That is telling us that something is happening. There's a war going on against Christianity. And so if we say we are Christians, we must be aware. We must be very aware. These opposing forces that we've, we've prayed about this whole week, we prayed about opposing forces against our lives, you know, our lives, our families, our finances, everything. But the greater opposition that we have today is against the kingdom of God, of which you and I are a part of. So Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. So the kingdom of God and the worship, the true worship of Yahweh could be reestablished. At once, opposition arose. Opposing forces arose. Sambalat and Tobiah. Now these men were not ordinary men. They were governors of provinces under the Persian king. They rose up against Nehemiah. And the reason that the Bible gives for them rise up against him was that they did not want the well-being of the children of Israel. They did not want the well-being of the children of Israel. So they rose up and were angry that somebody had come to help. That was it. And they threatened him. They mocked him. They, they, they did everything. They wanted to kill them. They, they discouraged them. They tried to weaken their hands. They, they, they insulted everything to stop them rebuilding a wall. And you say, what is the big deal? But I've told you the significance and the meaning of the wall. So it wasn't just any wall that they were building, but they knew that once they rebuild the walls, the people's life will be secured. The people will be safe. The people will have their strength back. The temple that had also been rebuilt will bring a revival where people will once again read the word of God and do the will of God. That was why they were angry. And it's still the same. Today we have Sambalat and Tobias is with us. The spirit of Sambalat is still working. The spirit that wants to prevent you from doing anything for the glory of God is still at work. And you realize that it's very easy to do things, anything, but when it comes to doing things for the glory of God, it's difficult. It's so hard for people. Kingdom people, it's so hard. Why? Because of the spirit of Sambalat will come up against you and say, what do you think you are doing? Why are you the only person in the church? We need to be able to see your own. Why you don't have time every day go to car Yes. Everyone who wants to, wants to work for God, wants to work in the kingdom, you will face opposition. Sometimes it is family opposition. It could be spousal opposition. It could be opposition from your children. It could be opposition from friends and family. It could be opposition from friends. Ordinary friends. It could be opposition from enemies. But if you truly want to work this work of the kingdom, build up the kingdom of God, you will face opposition. Because the enemy doesn't want the kingdom of God to grow, to be strengthened. And if the kingdom of God doesn't grow and it's not strengthened, 
then the lives of people are also in peril. There are thousands, millions out there in the valley of indecision or decision. There are people who are still struggling. People are dying. People are dying unsaved. A lot of people, they don't know God. They say they know God, but they have not received Jesus. They are out there. And the enemy wants it like that. So when a church is not viable, does not have the strength to bring them in. So then we'll muzzle the mouth of the kingdom people. What was the last time you told somebody about Christ? What was the last time you told somebody that Jesus loves you? What was the last time you witnessed to somebody? Tell me. If I'm going to ask for a raise of hands, it'll be very difficult this morning. I'm not going to. I won't. But I'm, say, I'm not condemning you. I'm saying that see, the enemy will muzzle your mouth. And you put all kinds of thoughts in your mouth. What if I, I talk to them about Christ and they don't, they, they don't mind me? What if they insult me? What? People have died for this gospel. People have been burnt in hot oil for the sake of this gospel. That's why today you and I are sitting happy and blessed. Because if they had also been apathetic, if they hadn't taken a stand for Christ, we wouldn't be saved. It would have been crushed. The early apostles, when they started ministry, the opposition rose up against them. And Gamaliel got up and said, listen, you guys, if this thing is not of God, it will, it will not say it will fizzle. But let us be careful. Perchance it's of God that we do not rise up against it. I mean, they were ready to crush Christianity. They put them in jails. They opposed them. Saul, who later became poor, as for him, or, or Shen Hoding, he strengthened himself in persecuting the church. Do you think the souls of this world are finished? Oh, come on. They are all around. Let a pastor do something wrong. The, the height of media publication is higher than anything. Let a pastor even try to do something right. And you see how they can misinterpret it. And then hold it up on a, a stick. Those are the oppositions of the now. Even you, as a Christian, see how your family reacts to you. So, yeah, I saw they also your Christian today and day. When you are coming, they are saying something. As soon as they see you come, they stop. But we must be proud. We must be proud of who we are. We are the children of God. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Nehemiah was not building his personal property, as I said. And I believe that if it was his personal property, he wouldn't have faced so much opposition. But because he was building for God, he faced so much opposition. You see, but however, he was steadfast. He was unmovable. And he pushed to finish, to do the work of God and to finish it. He was purpose. Bible says that we should be steadfast, immovable, always abounding on the work of the Lord. Always abounding. To abound means to increase in the work of God. We must be unmovable, immovable, unshakable, steadfast, always increasing in the work of God. What work are you doing for God? My brother, my sister, what work are you doing for God? What work are we doing for God? What are we doing in this big kingdom business to make sure that the kingdom of God increases?
We support everything. We support everything. But when it comes to the kingdom, then the mouths of the Sambalas and the Tobias will rise up. And sometimes it can even be taught in your own mind. That is when we are mocked, threatened, insulted, castigated, and then we draw back. Ah, as for me, I don't want anybody to talk about me, so I'm, I'm leaving the ushers. You don't want anybody to talk about you. Let me not say who are you. Because even after that, I'll have the Sambalat and the Tobias after me. This afternoon, if I say who are you. But since I'm holding the mic, and I'm full of the Spirit of God, to speak the word of God, who are you? That somebody can't talk about you. We are whining now what day. Then now yeah. Yes, you pray can They spoke against Jesus. They said that he is a bastard. Who has told you you are a bastard? And if they tell you a bastard, so what? Are you a bastard? And if you are, so what? We nipa. You understand? We have become so full of ourselves that we forget what we are to do. It's not about that, so. Because you know something? As surely as the sun rises and sets, huh, in a hundred years, none of us will be here. Calculate your age and add 50 and see whether you'll be here. <coughs> oh, yes. Calculate your age this morning. Add 30 and see whether you'll be here. Calculate your age at 20 and see whether you'll be here. So we are fleeting. We are just passing through. But whilst we are passing through, what is our mission? What is our assignment here on earth? Is it just to eat and drink and be merry, have children, have cars and have houses and leave? Leaving to where? Leaving to where? Building for God's glory is what I'm talking about this morning. So be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, increasing unto every good work. So for example, you are a chorister. God has blessed you with a voice, with a passion to minister to God and to people. Increase in it. Polish it. Practice it. When you are in the shower, you are singing. How can I make my voice more melodious? Fast and pray. So your singing will, will have an anointing backing it. So when you say, somebody's being healed. God help me. Father, I pray, give me a voice to sing. I make a joyful noise. Abound. Let's increase. You are a pastor. God has called you to preach the gospel. Hey. As for you and I, you're and Papa. Yeah, day. Not only are you supposed to do your own, you are supposed to take care of his people. Double trouble. Because the thing is that, what's it? Tinasi. Listen. So that means that we, the pastor, you hate the heart. Because you are preaching, you're supposed to preach to your people. It's no kuda me. Nyame ya. Heni. Yame. Ame, 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 walame. She ahamobe. Koke, tashi, ametish. Tashi, ametashi. Kaye, maye. Pastor, I mean, no bathroom. 
You are hot. But still, I say still, God says, be steadfast. Immovable. Abounding unto every good work. You have to be stable. Whether your pay is queer as it is, you are struggling financially. He said, be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable. Abounding unto every good work. People will talk things to you. Last week, somebody wanted to spoil my heart. I was going to do something good. And I knew it was good. I got up this morning, and somebody had sent me a text. I looked at the pastor. God bless. God bless you, pastor. So, God give you special grace. And may your rewards be mighty. For building this kingdom of God, may your rewards be great. May you be blessed. May your children be blessed. May your children's children be blessed. You will leave generational blessings for your children. It shall be well with you. Shame will never cover your head. In the mighty name of Jesus, I prophesy over your life. It shall be well with you. You will not suffer what to eat or what to wear. You will not need a place to lay your head. For God will provide. God bless all pastors and ministers in this house. And everywhere, everywhere, the whole world over. Amen. So I was talking about this text. In fact, my time is up. Ah, I looked at this text. And I said, this text is an insult. <laughs> and at once, let me shit it Then I said in my heart, no, 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 no. My good intention is really good. What I want to do is really good. I won't let this girl drag me with her in her stupidity. I put the phone aside. And I went on to do what I have to do. We suffer as pastors. Insults, gossip, backbiting. But we are like you. We have our own personal struggles. Oh, yes, we do. Then we add your struggles to our struggles, and still people can't appreciate. But still, God says we should be steadfast, immovable, unshakable, abounding unto every good work. And this to every one of us here. I, I think I have to end this message, but honestly, can I continue next week? Reverend, I'm supposed to preach next week. Reverend, can I preach next week? Really? Okay. Let me end it. We are supposed to be unmovable, abounding unto every good work. The work of the Lord. Kingdom building. Building up the kingdom of God. You must duplicate yourself. You must multiply yourself. What am I talking about? You are born again. 20 other people have to be born again through you. In your lifetime, before you die, you must make sure that you have added numerically souls to the kingdom. Don't die not having made a day. When you get to heaven, God is not going to ask you what job you did. No, 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 no. no. That's what is for the earth. Nobody dies and they bury them with their whatever. A very rich man who had three wives was dying. He said, I'm dying. My wife, you come. You have all my money. Listen, when I die, put my money in my coffin. Okay. She wrote me a check. The wife, that was, do you, do you put the money in the coffin? I said, oh, yes. I wrote him a check. Or oh, do have a bank. I'm cash. You can't be buried with anything. But what we will come before our God is with is what have we done? with the talents he's given us, the treasure he's given us, and the time. What was our input in building up the kingdom of God? We will build to his glory. 
God willing, next week, I'll finish it up. Let us rise up on our feet. Thank you, Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning from the depth of your heart what you want to do what you will do speak to your savior speak to God what are you going to do to build up the kingdom of God what are you going to do for other lives to be saved what are you going to do to bring help to people who are perishing, who are struggling, who are suffering. What is going to be your part? Some of us are the hands. Some of us are the eyes. Some of us are the feet. Some of us are the, are the mouth. But wherever God has placed you this morning, beloved, make a decision. That I will build the kingdom of God. With my strength. My time. My talents. Whatever I can do, whatever I have, I will build the kingdom of God. I will make sure. Somebody lift up your voice. Pray to God this morning. 
break free of the Sambalat and the Tobiah spirits that have held you back from what God has been speaking to you to do as a kingdom person. God has spoken to you what you should do. But Sambalat and Tobiah have discouraged you. The world has discouraged you. Personal life problems have discouraged you. No time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Has discouraged you. But one day when you die, you will have time. God is the one who gives us time. Surely, the 24 hours he has given us, can we not give him one? Can we not give him two? Lift up your voice this morning and pray and talk to God. This is a personal moment. Mandolo Boshanda, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be unmovable. Help me to be steadfast, unshakable. Help me to abound unto every good work, my Father. Pray your prayer. Pray. May God be glorified through your works as a believer. May God be glorified through your works as a believer. In the mighty name of Jesus. May you be the reason why this church moves forward. May you be one of the reasons why this church increases. Maya Maybe the reason why souls are saved in your office. Maybe the reason why. Maybe the reason why. Maybe the reason why in your family, everyone give their lives to Christ. They look at your example. They hear your words. They see your life. And they say, we'll follow you to your God. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. I think it was on Friday. Yeah, Friday. By 4 a.m., Reverend Tim, myself, and Pastor Cornelius and A.B., we left Accra to Pram Pram to receive the keys of a house that a family have dashed to the North Garden Ministry. Yeah. A whole household. We'll show you the pictures one day. And I said to them, you know something? When I was going, God said to me to tell them that this kingdom work from its inception has been built, number one, on people. Number two, the empowerment of people. And number three, substance, finances. We all can do the three. Some can do all. But for sure, God said, I should tell them that you have done your part and he will do his part. This morning, you know, there's something that we all can do. You can sing. You can preach. You can usher. You can do something. If we say evangelism, you can come alone. I mean, there's something every one of us can do. There's something we ought to do. And this one, please lift up your hand. I want to pray over your life before I sit down. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, my God, that your people in this house today, they are a chosen people whom you have separated unto yourself, made sons and daughters. Thank you, Father, Lord, you have separated them and made them 
your witness is that you are God. This morning, I pray over your lives, beloved, that may the Holy Spirit quicken in you a strong desire to serve God, to build the kingdom of God. I pray that may the voices of the Sambalas and the Tobias, voices of discouragement, voices of troubles and problems, may those voices be shut, shut up. May they be muted. And may your spirit, soul, and body rise up in the strength of Almighty God to build up, to push, to strengthen, and to hold up the work of the kingdom of God. For which reason you and I have been called. This morning, I pray God's blessing over your lives, church. I pray that may you be understanding, may you receive understanding, may you be discerning of who you are and what you must do, what you have to do in the time, this short time that God has given us all here on earth. May God bless you and make you steadfast, unmovable, abounding unto every good work of God. In Jesus' name, amen.